Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. There was an Italian economist by the name of Pareto and uh, he developed what we now call the Pareto Principle. <clears throat> it's the 80-20 principle. He, he would say that uh, 20% of the things we do produce 80% of the results. Um, it's, it, it turns out to be true in church, um, largely, that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Um, 20% of your day will produce 80% of your um, effectiveness. Um, <clears throat> I have discovered that in our life, uh, you don't need to do 100% of the things right, but you gotta do at least 20% right. <laughs> We're not gonna get everything exactly perfectly 100% right. Uh, you look in your marriage, um, you don't need to get 100% of the things right, like, so quit trying to do that. But if you get 20% right, you can have a great marriage. If you had 20% things in your life uh, right, you'd have an awesome marriage. You look at any of the characters in, the, in Scripture. You look at Abraham, and he didn't get 100% right. David, Lord, he never got anything right. Paul, man, his life was about murdering. He was a murderer. Um, Moses, and, you know, they all... But, but if you don't get this one thing right, Jesus, if you don't get that right... Your life as a follower of Christ just simply will not work. You have to get that right. <clears throat> you can talk about God all, the to- all you want, but who is Jesus? It's one of our core values that we are Christ-centered. And this is such an important thing. It's not a small matter. And uh, this should anchor us, is uh, the, the, the life of Christ and um, there was nobody else in history that said that they were the way, the truth, and the life. Only him. There's only one way to the Father, through Christ. So if we can get that right, our Christian life will work. The, um, to, to, to meet Jesus is a fairly simple thing. Well, I'll give you the invitation to meet Christ today. Um, <clears throat> to follow Jesus is a, a little more demanding. It requires us dying to self. And um, most of us like our lives quite a bit. The idea of giving them up is not that attractive. And so when we think about the life of Christ, we don't think of a one-time experience. We t- think of a lifetime of surrender. And, uh, and that's, that is what the Bible would describe as being a disciple, different than being a believer, as being a disciple. He said, you're my disciples indeed <clears throat> if you, um, you follow my word. And so this is, this is what we're talking about today is about, the, about, about Jesus. And um, <clears throat> last week we talked about the, the reveal, and I'm going to talk about that just a little bit more today, just a little bit more. And... Um, and the fact is, when we believe into Christ, who did, got 100% of the things right, 
our life becomes 100% right because it's his righteousness that we believe into that creates our life to be right. Not all of the work and the performance that we would all like to do to earn some form of uh, points. Um, but, but here's the other thing that I found, and I'll just address this a little bit today about the word, Jesus and the word, and how they work together. If you try to study the word without a relationship with Christ, it'll be dead. It's just, another, it's just a piece of literature. If you try to separate Christ from the word, it will be formal, <clears throat> it'll be dry, it will be empty, it, be, it will not be transformative. Um, you need Jesus and the word working together. This is a, this is a really big deal. So that process, um, that's almost impossible to understand is what I want to try to talk about um, today, being Christ-centered. And, um, and I want to thank Steve last week. He kicked it off by, ta- by touching on the reveal. I'm going to touch on it just a little bit. It says, of Jesus, listen to this, he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Why would he have to grow in favor with God? Why would he have to grow in wisdom? He was wisdom. Why would he have to gain favor with God and man. This is a, this is a, a, a watershed of uh, the Christian faith. Who was Jesus? And it says that he grew in favor and he grew in wisdom. Um, somewhere around Galilee, <clears throat> in a blue-collar family with brothers and sisters, and perhaps raised largely by a single mom, we're not sure where Joseph ended up. We just see he was on the scene for a little bit at the beginning, um, cashes them up with some treasure, goes off to Egypt, and we sort of don't see him much after Jesus is 12. And, um, but the family business was transferred in the Jewish family. The family business was transferred at, at the age of 30. And he says, I must be about my father's business. And his father was not really on the scene but Jesus took over the family business because his family business was doing the will of the Father. It was quite a transaction. It's just like, okay, so when did, when did God the, the Father, like how did that work? And what was it like being raised with him? It's one of the most awkward things um, among, if you have multiple children, <clears throat> the most awkward, one of the most awkward things is explaining to the other children why only the first child has a baby book. <clears throat> That, that first child, man, it's like, whoa, every, you have pictures of everything. And, and now with cameras, of course, you've got triplicates of everything. And, um, but uh, he, he grew up with brothers and sisters, and um, they all would have seen him and hung out with him and watched him. And uh, when, you, when you think of that, when I, when I read the book of James, always that first, first James 1 and 1 where it says, a slave of Jesus Christ. He was a half-brother of Jesus and you would have thought, wow, and you actually were able at some point to see, oh, this is not just my brother. This is the Son of Man. Reve- right. Apparently, Jesus was a little bit hard to recognize. Some missed him. Uh, so even though he revealed himself, some didn't, couldn't recognize him. And recognizing Jesus 
in other people requires great discernment. It's, it's the thing that we need to be looking for in others. Not, not that 80% that's whatever, but that percentage of where's Christ in my spouse and where's Christ in my day? And I'm convinced I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, but not if I don't look. It requires a search. Once we search, we find. And um, being raised in a home with brothers and sisters, and, um, and he was, um, he, he, and, and, then, and then watching his mom, um, how she handled Jesus, and of course she was at the cross. And um, she knew exactly who he was, but I'm sure many times she wondered, is this really the son of God? Is this really the son of man? Is this really... And so he, saw, he's, he found a way of, of, of uh, sort of keeping himself hidden. And I want to read from John. Uh, I'm going to come back to John 1 and 2, but I first of all want to read um, chapter 5. Um, when I look at his life, I'm, um, I'm always amazed, of course, because, and, and the question I have for you is we, for point number one is, um, where was he first revealed? Where was Jesus first revealed? And um, I think last week Stephen spoke uh, quite eloquently about it was on the banks of the Jordan. And, and, and John, Jesus' cousin, sees him and he recognizes. There, like there was a moment, like we had a moment, a moment ago, we had a, it was a moment, time stood still and he said, oh, that one right there. Banks would have been full of people. But he said, there's one here. This, and then, this is remarkable. Jesus said among about the people, chapter 5, um, and I, I honestly, we, this is such a profound chapter. Um, Jesus is saying, verse 31, if I were to testify on my own, my testimony would not be valid. Um, verse 36, but I have a greater witness than John. My teachings and my miracles, they have been assigned to me by the Father, and they testify that the Father has sent me. Verse 37, and the Father himself has also testified about me. You have never heard his voice or seen his face, him face to face. Wow, that's a confrontation. And you do not have his message in your heart. You know, when God comes, Christ comes into our life, his message, the full message is imparted into our hearts. Because you do not believe me, the one, the one he sent to you. And listen to this. You search the scriptures because you believe that they give you eternal life. Wow. But the scriptures point to me. You notice the, the word scriptures is capital S. You can't separate the word of God from Jesus. He is the word. He, he says that you look, you look in the scriptures. What's he referring to when he says the scriptures? Because we live in a day where we, many people are saying that the Old Testament is not valid. I don't know if you heard that or not. It's absolutely insane. Because he, when he says you look in the scriptures, you're looking, you search the scriptures because you believe that they'll give you eternal life, and the scriptures are super important, capital S. But the scriptures point to Jesus. And yet you refuse to come to me so that I can give you eternal life. We can't, can we find Christ? Can you find eternal life in the scriptures without Jesus? No. You'll, you just have. You just have a story of the history of the world. But he said that the two have to go together. This is so important. 
Because he says when you search the scriptures, what is he referring to? He's not referring to the New Testament. The New Testament was not given yet. He's saying you search the scriptures, he's probably confronting the, uh, the Pharisees because they had to memorize the Torah and the Pentateuch, and they would have had to have that memorized. He says, you're searching through the scriptures to look for me, but I'm standing right in front of you, and you don't recognize me when I'm right there in your chili. <clears throat> Do you think that we're any different than them? <clears throat> I don't think so. <clears throat> He, he says, here, here's, here's why the old, the old Testament is so critical. You need to, there's a difference between the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. The Covenant had to do with how God related to man. We got a new relationship between God and man because of Jesus. The, the Testament is just a story. It's just the history. And so is the New Testament. But without Christ, it's just dead. But he says, when you look in the Old Testament, you see every one of those books point to me. He, the, when was he revealed? He was revealed from the beginning of time, but people couldn't recognize him. He, he further goes on to say, your approval or disapproval means nothing to me. I love that. Your likes or dislikes on Instagram mean nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. For I've, been, I've come to you representing my father, and you refuse to come to me, even though you readily accept others who represent only themselves. Gosh, we live in a world like that, don't we? Um, um, any, oh, help me with these words, Lord. Um, Jesus was the exact representation of God. Any description uh, of God that you have in your head that does not line up with the revelation of Jesus should be suspect in your life because he was the exact and precise representation of God. You wonder what God is like? Look at Jesus. You don't study Jesus, you'll miss what God is like. I mean, you'll have made up some idea in your head about what he's like, but it will not be who the Father is really like because he said, I came to reveal to you the Father. We need to spend lots of time studying the Gospels. If you're only studying the Old Testament which you, uh, and without a revelation of Jesus, you'll become very legalistic. It's a little bit dangerous just to, even to study the epistles without studying the Gospels as well. Um, <clears throat> um, he says that the scriptures point to me, and then you look down on verse 46, um, Yet it's not I who will accuse you um, before the Father. Moses will accuse you. What? Yes, Moses, on whom you set your hopes. But if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me because he wrote about me. If, if you would, if you, Moses wrote about Jesus. If, we, if, we, if we're reading the Old Testament without a revelation of Jesus and the love of God, it'll be very confusing for us. We have to have a revelation of Jesus and the word. That's my point. Chapter one, the big reveal uh, that, that's coming at the banks of the Jordan. Uh, something happened before that. He was revealed before that because chapter one and verse one. Uh, sorry, I didn't get my scriptures to Phoenix early enough. You won't have this, sorry. <clears throat> In the beginning, the word ex already existed. He was with God and he was God. He was in the beginning with God, and he created everything there is. Nothing exists that he did not make. Where was the reveal of Jesus? In creation. 
wasn't on the banks of the Jordan. He was in the beginning. With God was God. The big reveal starts there. Um, if you read, uh, life itself was in him, and this life gives life to everyone. His life, if you can receive this, is in everyone. <clears throat> it says in Colossians that not only um, what, did he create everything, but everything is held together by him as well. Without Jesus, the entire creation would implode. <clears throat> the light shines through the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. Darkness cannot comprehend light. It's unable to. And they're unable to coexist. Um, darkness can never overcome light, ever. If you read the rest of that, um, because he was the true light, he gives light to everyone, and he was going to come into the world. I love verse... Um, uh, 10, but although the world, world, world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him when he came, even in his own land. And then in verse 12, it said, as many as received him, he gave the right to become, process, children of God. That light is in everyone, but they maybe haven't become children because they've not went through the process of believing him and who he was. And then, of course, verse 14, where it says that 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 he came, he was full of grace and truth. Listen, um, truth, uh, he, not, he was truth, but he, and he embodied truth. But grace and truth always go together. Grace cannot function with untruth. Grace is not available to bring to pass lies and deception. Grace, is, grace and truth, Jesus was grace and, tr grace and truth. Because grace is the ability for truth to become evident in the world. There is power and ability to become and fulfill the truth. There is no power and ability to fulfill a lie. <clears throat> this, is a, this is a big turning point. So, <clears throat> so he comes unto his own. His own don't receive him. But as many as receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. Let's just go along into verse um, uh, 20, uh, 26, uh, John said, to, uh, he told them, I'm going to baptize you with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not know who will soon begin his ministry. <laughs> Sounds kind of mysterious. I'm not even worthy to be his slave. This incident took place in Bethany, a village that's uh, east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. He, here's, what you, here's what John did, and here's a great skill that you and I need to d develop. He says, there's somebody here he didn't, he didn't point him out, but he, he had the presence of mind to say that on, uh, in this swarm of people, there's one. Now, that, now, John's his cousin. So he's about to reveal Jesus as the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world. But if I were him, I'd be probably taking a big deep breath <sighs> because the credibility of his ministry rests on his ability to discover, recognize Jesus or not. It's probably the same with you and I. Our ability to recognize what God is doing on the earth, which requires supernatural discernment. So he says this. He says, um, there's somebody here right now that you guys don't know. He, he, Jesus, the, the man hanging out, he says, there's one here right now. Verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him. And then he says, look 
There is a lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the next day. Probably that night, he would have been a little bit nervous, having trouble going to sleep because he, thought, because he knows uh, Messiah is just about to be revealed. There's a turning point of all history. He's come of age, and he's, and he's present. And he says, he is the one I'm talking about when I said, soon a man is coming. So the day before, he said, someone's coming. Now he says, this one here, oh, look, he's coming towards me right now. Recognizing Jesus is such an important thing in our world today. Not recognizing darkness, it's everywhere. Recognizing Jesus, he said, I didn't know he was the one. What, he, didn't, you, didn't you know he was exactly one? He said, no, I knew the one was coming because my role was to prepare the way for him. John was a very unique young man. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the only one the Bible says was filled with the Holy Spirit before birth. We laid hands on our children before they were born. We put hands on the womb, on the tummy. Said, God, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Happened with John. Let's happen with the kids. Uh, with Chad, he's not here right now, but there was a kick on my hand. Whew, that's good. He's good. Well, of course, it takes some work since then. <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> but John was quite unique. <clears throat> that had never happened before. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets. He said, I didn't know he was the one, but I have been baptized with water in order to point the way uh, out. Point, sorry, to point him out. To Israel. And then John said, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. Okay, the big reveal. Uh, right here, and this is, Jesus' mission was very clear. Deliver mankind from the power of sin, destroy the works of the devil, reveal the nature and character of God, as well as unveil the true identity and potential of all humans who would surrender to God. He had to do all of these as a man, or he would have violated the word of God. Sin came, Corinthians 15 says, sin came because of one man. Uh, therefore, sin was dealt with by one man. Jesus didn't come to show us what God could do. He came to show us what men could do, surrendered to Christ, surrendered to the Holy Spirit. He revealed to us not what God could do. Otherwise, do we have any hope? But he came to show us what a man could do who was surrendered to the Lord. So it says in Philippians that before he came to the earth, it says he emptied himself. What, is that? what does that mean? That means he set aside all the glory that from the beginning of the earth. He set all that aside, and he came as a man. Born of a woman, came as a man, like you and I. He was in every way like you and I, and even tempted in every way like you and I. That's how he came. As a man, completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And, and, and he says, ah, here's the, sees the Holy Spirit. If Jesus needs the Holy Spirit, you and I need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but he said, if we're surrendered, if you're surrendered, I can show you what a man surrendered, and this was his favorite term, the son of man. And the, the, so he says, if you can see, if you can watch what I do, not only am I going to reveal God, what God the Father is like, but I'm going to re reveal what you can be like as well. Your and my life needs to continually become progressively more and more like Jesus. Such a big deal. Okay, uh, point number two and three kind of combined to one, but he came to make disciples and, be, and, and, ask, and for us to be disciples. He goes on to say the following day, he again, standing with his two disciples, um, John was, he launches his ministry. So, the, so what he does, instantly as soon as he's revealed, he begins to gather a handful of men. He starts recruiting Starts relating, he begins to gather them 
because he's going to leave. They could never get that message. I'm going to go to the cross. And uh, they did not care for that because they wanted him to hang out, of course, stay with him. And uh, he begins to gather some people instantly. This is such an important case for you and I. And, and, and I just want to say it in, in, in uh, clear words. It's not enough that you and I follow Jesus. We need to be including others in following Jesus with us. Gathering some people. And, and here's what we'll find. We'll find that we're a little bit less like, like Christ than we thought when we get around a few other people. And we find out. And, and this is what Jesus would have done. Right? He's hanging out with these guys. And um, anyway, he begins in chapter, right away is in chapter two, uh, uh, 1. Gathers some people, and remarkably, what starts to happen, as soon as people, these guys start to come, as soon as they start to gather around him, they begin to think that they can be something important and significant, and they begin arguments about who's the greatest. It's such an interesting thing, because before, ah, we're just going to be fishermen, seven of the 12 are fishermen. So it's just going to be ordinary men, but what happens very typically, as soon as men began to connect with Jesus, they began to think, Maybe I can do something significant. One of the first things that happens when we connect our life to Christ is the power to be able to do the things that we only dreamed and hoped of before. He, be, he, begins, he releases something in us that allows us to begin to dream. Ah, maybe we can make a difference in the world. And, he, and, and they would go along with this competition stuff and, oh, these guys are doing this. We, should, we told them to quit doing that. And, you know, should we just call them fire now over here? And he, they were just, right, like Elijah, they had this Old Testament mindset. And Jesus had to straighten them up, like the incredible amount of patience it takes for you and I, pardon me, with them. The incredible patience it requires for him to help us be followers of Christ because we, we are no different. We don't get it neither. But he wanted to show them, and they got so excited when they were able to see demons flee because they laid their hands on him. You and I have no reason to run away from crazy people. We can lay hands on the sick. They will recover. We can cast out demons in his name. We can speak with new tongues, and he will confirm his word that we share with signs and wonders following. It's, a, it's the greatest thing. He showed us what we could be. Okay. I find it amazing that after thinning everybody out, he starts to, they start to follow him and he says, you're going to have to eat my blood, or drink my blood, eat my body. It didn't weird them out. Uh, he says, are you going to go as well? He said, nobody else has the words of life. They, they acknowledged that there was something so unique about him. And so <clears throat> it's day three, chapter two. It's, well, yeah, and he, he's uh, going to the wedding. So this Jewish weddings were typically on Wednesday. So this is the third day after he's been revealed. And he goes to a wedding, performs the first miracle, right? Boom, right away. Um, he, what happens, we see, first of all, John lets two of his disciples follow Jesus. And um, it says, then, then John, verse 37, then John's two disciples turned and followed Jesus. So, uh, sorry, I'm in chapter one. I got ahead of myself there. Uh, and he, Jesus looked around and he saw them following. <laughs> what do you want? Such an interesting question, hey? He, I, I just think that's, I, I, what, he was probably smiling, maybe smirking, I don't know. But I, when, when you decide that you're going to give your life to Christ, he probably has a question for you. What is it that you want? Are you looking for like an easy way out? Are you looking for fame and fortune? And Are you looking for like just a little uptick in your business? You think if you come to me that all of a sudden that marketing company started just going to go through the roof? 
What is it you want? He goes right to the heart of things. What's your motive in following me? What is it that you want? And uh, I find their answer um, compelling. <clears throat> A rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? So he doesn't, they, they don't answer the question. This is, so he's just transferred the membership in John the Baptist's uh, club over to the Jesus Club. And Jesus said, what do you guys want? What are you looking for? What are you up to? Yeah, I just love that question. And they asked, where, where are you staying? I'm sure they're a little bit stuck for words. If Jesus asked me that, I'd probably say the same thing. What color, what color is your robe? I'd answer a question with a question, probably. <laughs> Where'd you get that sash? <laughs> nice beard. I don't know, what would you say? Right? So, <laughs> where are you staying? He's, and here's what Jesus says. He doesn't say, get your life all cleaned up. He says, come and see. Come on with me. Jesus was incredibly inclusive. I'm sure it would have been a bit inconvenient because he knows he's going to have to unravel some of this Old Testament stuff and are we going to have to wear camel hair and eat honey or what are we going to have to do? Jesus just changes the story. And <clears throat> I love this. So he wants, wants to know what they want. And, and typically what the people wanted is they wanted a revolutionary leader. They wanted a way out of Roman oppression. And they did not understand there needed to be a cross before there could be a crown. This is complicated for them. I am so thankful that Jesus ministered in a political, chaotic time. Otherwise, we would have an excuse to be grumpy about where we live right now. But we don't. He, he lays out how to address governments. He lays out how to treat people who are officials. And he, he, he shows us how to do that. <clears throat> so anyway, um, they get, uh, where are you staying? He laid it out. Uh, they get so jacked up about the vision that they go and tell their brothers. Andrew's always seen, he's the next guy that comes along, Andrew, and he's uh, always bringing people. You love that about Andrew, all through scriptures. He's the guy that got, went and got the little boy, he brings him with the loaves and fishes, and Andrew, uh, was a very unique kind of guy. Oh, Lord, could we maybe be a little bit more like Andrew? Just bring some more people to Jesus, <laughs> a little bit more like that. And... Um, and uh, he says, we found the anointed one. We found the Christ. We find a guy who's got this something, this special oil on him. He says, we found the Christ. And um, I think this is beautiful. And um, then he gets, Andrew brings his brother Simon, who gets a name change. Verse 42, he says, you are, but you will become. And whenever you come to Jesus, he, he knows exactly who we are. But he also knows he, who we need to become. <laughs> he says to Simon, he changed his name. And, um, and he begins, um, then he later, uh, Peter and James become very loved, the, the compassionate work Jesus is doing. He would win Philip. Philip came differently for a different way. He won him, it says. And Philip would witness to Nathaniel, bring him. And all come because of someone, but all come personally. John chapter 21 suggests that seven of the 12 were fishermen, and at least Nathan and Thomas were doubters. Everybody comes for different reasons. Everybody comes. I'm going to make an opportunity for people to come, uh, but I'm going to pray after I read these next few comments, and I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to ask you if you have settled for the historical Jesus or you want the biblical Jesus, <laughs> because when we come to faith in Christ, you actually have a new, new things begin to wake up inside of us, and we get an opportunity to live a great life. <clears throat> Jesus represented the Father while he was walking on the earth. And he gave authority to men to rule over the planet Earth and accomplish all that he had in his heart to do. However, since sin entered through a man, only a man could resolve the problem and take over. 
1 Corinthians 15. For since by man death came death, by man also came the resurrection from the, from the dead. God needed a man who would perfectly represent him. That man was Jesus. <clears throat> he needed a man to reverse the consequences of Adam. And he did this as the son of man. He came once, he's coming again. He's coming again. And he will conquer the Antichrist <clears throat> and all of his followers. And then, after the threat of nuclear disaster, the coming of an ice age, global warming, and global starvation, he will rule in righteousness for a thousand years. And he will destroy <clears throat> the leftist threats of global destruction that served only to produce fear and chaos within the world. When you look at Revelation chapter 19 and verse 13, it says the one that came riding on the white horse, what well, he said that one was called the, the word of God. This is who we're talking about. When you read chapter 17, and I hope you do it this week, he came, he says, and I finished the work the Father began. He came and it said, it is finished. Now, whatever that means to you, it at least means that the work that Jesus did was complete. And we don't have to add anything to it, but we have to believe it and begin to live like it. Um, he came to manifest the word and manifest his name, which he did. Whatever you think you know about God, but don't see in Jesus is suspect. Jesus is the most precise, accurate, perfect manifestation of what God is really like. And through our lifetime, our lives, as we surrender to Christ, becomes more and more and more like His. He's the measurement. He's the metric. There's no one else we measure ourselves against. Thankful that Jesus walked on the earth representing the Father. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Would you stand with me, please? Father, I thank you that you came to reveal the Father and you are perfect representation of the Father. I ask, oh God, today on behalf of myself and those that are gathered here, that you would forgive us from having false gods, false images, false understanding of what the Father is really like. And he said that if the Father wants to give good things, how much more your heavenly Father. So God, I thank you that you are good and your goodness is available to everyone today that calls upon you, that reaches out to you. And God, in this place, I know there's distortions. I know that there's vain imaginations. I know that for us, we carry broken images of what God is really like, what you are really like, oh Lord. But Jesus, you came to straighten that up. Father, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, would like to meet you. I ask in these next moments that you would reveal to them their need of believing into Christ. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if someone here doesn't know Jesus as Savior, I'd like you to slip your hand up so I can pray for you right where you are. Is there anybody, anybody, Savior, Jesus is Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.